we go. Just got to make sure I'm working here. I don't see a green light. Okay, there we go. Oh, it's so good to see you guys here this morning. And I am so blessed to be able to share the first in this series called The Name. I wonder today how many people here are coffee drinkers? Show of hands, quite a few. Who likes tea? I'm sorry. <laughs> Tea's good too. Tea's good too. Don't let me get you wrong. But one of my most favorite things, honestly, is going out to a coffee shop. I love going out for coffee with someone. I just love it. And you know, you know that feeling when you first step into a coffee house or a cafe and it just feels warm and cozy and safe? Here are, I got this first time I viewed this thing, so here we go. Why do we love coffee shops? We love them because there's yummy coffee and tea for you tea drinkers. Hot cocoa, we meet people we like. Usually, you don't go for coffee with people you don't like. Oh, we have great conversations. We have time to just get out of our everyday and to just spend some time talking. Oh, it's time to forget our everyday. It's a place to just be yourself. It's a really good coffee shop. They know your order when you walk in the door. There's that great smell and that amazing vibe. And it feels good. They know me here. Now, I, my love of coffee shops, you know, it, it's a little held back by COVID because, you know, not all coffee shops let me go in and sit down right now, but I still love it. And today we're going to talk about Isaiah 9, 6. Not, what it says to us is what we just read, um, Trent read it to us there, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Oh, wonderful counselor. Given to us in the form of a child born long, long ago, and yet even farther back in time, 800 years before this wonderful counselor was born, oh, Isaiah foretold a day when a Savior would come. Amidst the turmoil and uncertainty of that time in history, the Assyrians were taking captives. Everything was unsettled. The people didn't know what would be next. They lived in fear and uncertainty. They were desperate for an answer, a glimmer of hope, a reassurance for generations to come that one day a child would be born, as Isaiah told them, and he would be wonderful. Wonderful. Now, I took just enough Hebrew in university to be dangerous, so do not quote me on my pronunciations. But the word wonderful, when we think of the word wonderful today, we go, oh, it's a nice word. I had a wonderful time with my girlfriends last week. Or um, your child, oh, they're doing wonderful in school. Wonderful. But this word, when we go and we look at the Hebrew for this word, which is approximately, Pele. Hebrew, it is awe. It is absolute awe. It's a breathtaking, amazing, incredible, beyond our human ability to even comprehend and express wonder and delight. When you think of wonderful, we describe it in a word that is just, everything's pleasant, everything's nice, but this is wonder. This is absolute wonder. And this child, this child was intended to fill us with wonder. 
counselor. Counselor has two definitions that we think of when we think of the word counselor. And the first is legal representative. Do not forget that Christ is our legal representative in the courts of heaven. But also remember that when we have think of counselors, we think of someone who can guide us in our everyday human experiences. We think of Christ as our guide. Oh, Jesus is someone who knows us. He knows our hearts. He sees our true motives and why we do what we do. What motivates us, what wounds and heals us. He sees us for who we truly are. He sees our everyday reality. John 2.25 says, He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Jesus knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows your heart. He knows what you're struggling with. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 teaches, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We serve a wonderful God. He knows your financials. He knows where you struggle with parenting, with taking care of aging parents, with your own physical and mental health needs. He's right there with you, right in the midst of it all. And we can trust him to listen to our hearts. We can trust him to guide us in the right direction as our wonderful counselor. So our wonderful counselor, he came as a babe in human form. But sometimes when I look at stories of people in the Bible, I think of them as all perfect. They got it all figured out, man. They know exactly what they're doing. But do you know what? It's not true. When you actually look at the before story of all of these people before Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses stuttered, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair, like one of my sons, and he was a womanizer, which my son is not. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not today. And Joseph ran from God. Naomi was bitter. She was a bitter widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha chose to do the dishes instead of spending time with Jesus. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. I say this to shock you just a little bit because all these stories are true. And I invite you to dig into your Bibles and find where they all are. Now, whether this is where you were, or where you are, or where you're pretending not to be, I don't know. But what I do know is that your wonderful counselor does know, and he meets you right there where you're at, no matter what. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29 reads, Take a good look, friends. All of you who were where you were, when you got called into this life, I don't see many of the brightest and best among you. Not many influential, not many from high society families. <laughs> you know what? There's this thing. Have you ever met a brand new Christian? 
And they're just so filled with Jesus. They're just so excited, and we call that zeal. Uh, they have this strong sense of their deliverance. They have a strong awareness of the power of the cross to set them, that he has set them free from their past. They're filled with the wonder of what Jesus Christ did for them. Isn't that beautiful? But do you know what's equally beautiful? What's equally beautiful is that there are generational Christians, and there's tons of you in this room. I'm a fifth-generation Christian, and I'm proud to say that. But do you know what? What they bring to the table, they know dozens of verses usually. Um, ask Carol. She talks to the girls and the boys every week. Generally, you know how to pray fluently. You understand that shelter and security of a Christian home. You've received Christ, possibly, in Sunday school. You have Christian friends and sheltered from the world. And yet, you know what? <laughs> All of us still experience the good and the bad in life. Whether you are a brand new Christian and you're filled with all of that zeal and wonder at who Christ is and know that he's there for you, or you've been a generational Christian and you're going, I've been a Christian for so long, and yeah, he's there, but the story's been told so many times. Am I still passionate about it? Do I still passionate about who God is? Uh, let's make it clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn. It's a verse that we just wrote. God before God. Everything that we have, our right thinking, our right living, our clean slate, our fresh start, comes from God by the way of grace in Jesus Christ. Now, there's this guy in the Bible, and he's one of my favorite guys. Um, oh, we got to read the finish. Did we finish this verse? Yes, we did. I just said it. Okay. There's this guy in the Bible named Peter. And Peter was very human. In every story we hear about Peter, his humanness comes out. Even after Jesus died, his humanness is still so much before us. Peter let fear guide him a lot of times. Fear won so many times. This, this, this war of loyalty and fear kind of just went rampant inside him. He walked out of human reality every day. And even while he walked with the Savior himself, he desperately longed to be loyal and to love, and yet this big, ugly thing called fear was always before him. These two emotions, this two, two emotions of fear and loyalty waged a battle inside of him, but Jesus knew his heart. Jesus saw him. In this place of fear, this place of a deep lack of loyalty to his king, Jesus asked him three questions. He said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, the first two times that he talked to Peter and he said, Do you love me? This was an all encompassing, agape Christian love. And Peter was like, I love you. And he answered with the Philos type of love, which is just, eh, I'm kind of your friend. And then Jesus asked him again, Do you love me? And Peter answered again with Philos, Yeah, I love you. And then he asked him one more time, do you love me? And then Jesus changes his language to match Peter's language because he loved him. He saw him. He saw the place that he was and that that was the only love that he was able to offer to Jesus in that moment. And then Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And many of us, even though we love God, he seeks to restore us the same way he restored Peter. When we do things that are wrong and we know that we have to find that path back to God, he's right there waiting for you. He wanted to restore 
Peter. He wanted to heal him, and he wanted to return him to intimacy. And he did this not to embarrass him, but to restore him, to offer him restoration of healing, to return to intimacy in the same way that Jesus has for you today, never to embarrass you, but to redeem you. Peter grew from a place of fear and disloyalty to a place of knowing God's love and giving that love to others the way which Jesus knew and saw him, equipped him and sent him forth. There is a word that describes this relationship that Peter and Jesus had with each other. There is a word to describe a relationship that grows with Jesus and deepens and we feel seen and known and understood by our wonderful counselor. And that word is intimacy. A few years ago, I went to a seminar, a five-day seminar called Choices. I know we have some other Choices alum in the um, audience. And at Choices, Choices is a, um, a self-development course that you take, and it helps you to have an awesome life. But anyway, what we learned there was intimacy was in to me see. When we allow God to see into us, when we allow others to see into us, we start to build this intimacy with our wonderful counselor. When we allow others to see who we truly are, we begin to build intimacy with them. The thing is, is that God already knows us. He already sees us and understands us. So the very first step of intimacy with God is realizing you're at the first step. He's already there. And if you're going, oh man, I wish I had that kind of relationship with God, step forward, it's already there. It's already there. He loves you so much. Open your eyes in your daily life and see where he is. Ask God to reveal himself in your every day. For myself, I, oh, I feel cool. When I wake up in the morning and I see a beautiful sunrise, Oh, I feel so close to him. Just seeing those colors and just going, God, it's another beautiful day. I feel that intimacy between me and him. I grew up on the prairies, and whenever a wind blows, I just love to feel it caress my face. I love to feel that wind and lean into it and feel the power of the wind, and I imagine it's the power of God and that he is there with me and that he loves me. When we moved to Ontario, one thing I didn't realize is that I was leaving behind these big, awesome Alberta skies. Oh, you don't realize how big the sky is here until you're not here. <laughs> and I missed them. I missed being able to stand before God with my arms outstretched on the edge of the lake and just praising him, knowing that he was there. And I was, felt him so deep in my heart. I experienced God hugely in nature. But each of us has our own personal, individualized, intimate relationship with God. Yours will not look the same as mine, and mine will not look the same as yours, ever. How do you meet with this wonderful counselor? It will be as unique as your fingerprint, your eye color, your DNA. One of my friends feels closest to God when she sees signs, and I do not mean the miraculous kind. I mean everyday garden variety, advertising signs, stop signs, anything like this. She hears God speak, and things like, you belong here, 
This is your why. Just do it. Think different. Share moments. Share life. Can you hear me now? She hears God and feels that intimacy with God through signs. My sister feels incredibly close to God when she can go to a, council, a concert of Christ and she can bounce and sing and feel close to God. That's how she feels intimate with God. And my mom feels close to God in the stillness of her Bible opened on her kitchen table. Each of us has our own way of feeling close to God. We all have our own pathways, our own way of revealing ourselves to someone who already knows and loves us. There's no need for comparison because it's just so different for each of us. God wants to be intimate in your whole life, not just in those spiritual disciplines or those spiritual moments, but in every moment of your life. Imagine going to the movies with Jesus. You know, imagine you're driving your car with Jesus. You know, they say, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, those types of things. He wants to be there with you in every moment of your life. He wants to go on this unique journey with you that you are having with him. I'd like you to try something with me. Let's spend a few moments remembering those times when he has been your personal wonderful counselor. I invite you, if you're comfortable to do so, to close your eyes and spend a few moments collecting those memories of intimacy that you've already had with God. Look for patterns. Mine was the sky. God knows you. He knows how to touch your heart, how to feel so close that you're filled with the wonder of who he is. He meets you wherever you are at. If you're having trouble hearing what God is saying to your heart and remembering those moments of intimacy, hold up each moment of the day you are living right now, each hour, each event, and wait for him to respond. Some moments will have no response, but then you will feel it, the pleasure of the king. You know he is pleased. You feel it. You know when you didn't lose your temper trying to get those kids in the car on the way to church? God sees that. He sees you. That work you've done in the last year to grow in character, it's paying off. And him great, brings him great pleasure to meet you with him. It brings him such pleasure to meet you in tears at the kitchen sink. These are your moments of intimacy. You can open your eyes. I invite you often to spend time asking Christ how he sees you, where he is, asking him, where are you today? What did you enjoy about today living this life with me? As you're looking for ways that God is with you, look for those patterns throughout the day, throughout your life. For me, it's the sky. When I am underneath that sky praising God, it's when I feel that closest intimacy with him. Don't negate the small or the silly things. I have seen Jesus and a mosquito with blood sprung across my windshield. Jesus is in everything. If you'll open your eyes and see him, 
Hold up each moment before him and wait to feel how he feels about that situation, that he loves you and he sees you. Our intimacy with God can be found in loving our enemies, rejoicing when we're persecuted, accepting blessing in our mourning. Our intimacy with God is blessing in our mourning, rejoicing in our persecutions, loving when we are hurt. During his time on earth, Jesus was with people, and he spoke with them in this wonderful, fresh, and counterintuitive way that caused them to be in wonder. He was seeing intimacy with them, and they, some, took a while to get there. It's okay if you do too. Can you imagine hearing for the very first time, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you? Your sinful heart would reject the very notion of loving someone who was mean, disrespectful, deceitful, and yet here Jesus spoke to broaden their minds and grow their hearts. Today we may still find it hard to find forgiveness in our hearts, to forgive someone who did something, said something, went somewhere, or threw something, or made a different decision, or had a different opinion than us. He also spoke, rejoice and be glad in persecution. And again, blessed are those who mourn. And outside of a course, close personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we still struggle to see the blessing. We struggle to rejoice and we resist loving others. But what if? What if the same Jesus who was born from a virgin's womb, the same Jesus whose teachings were and are life-changing, the same Jesus who did and does have the power to heal, who lived a sinless life, rose from the dead, and to bring new life to each of us, what if that same Jesus also gave us blessing in our mourning, rejoicing in our persecutions, love when we are hurt and angry at the hands of someone else? You know what? It does. And this should fill our hearts with wonder. We should be on bended knee, laid prostrate on this floor, bowed down before this wonderful counselor in utter awe and wonder of who he is. Our hearts cry out to know him. In this visceral, tangible, soul-devouring, lay my heart out before him utterly and completely in this wonderful way to know him that he would know us, to see us, to be truly accepted and seen and known by this wonderful counselor in a way that changes us from the inside out. Jesus loves you so much, and he is that wonderful friend. He will find him when you look for him. He's already there. You know, we talked about the coffee shop at the beginning of this, and I talked about that because I wanted you to get in that space, that cozy space of that, what it feels like to go out for a friend with coffee, go out for coffee with a friend, and to be able to feel that close intimacy. I invite you this week, being most of us can't go to coffee shops, I invite you to make your own coffee at home. Make yourself a nice cup of coffee. Curl up with somebody you love. Curl up with Jesus. Wrap your hands around that mug. And just spend time getting to know him. Just step into that intimacy at that time with your wonderful counselor. And he will meet you there because he's already there. God bless you.